follow us on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. You will have to enter that in because the fact that we are adult content means that we have agreed to make ourselves unsearchable on their website. My name is Elle and I'm a sex educator. My name is Jen and I'm a private investigator. We want to learn more about ourselves. I'm like the boring vanilla one over here that's like, I don't do anything, but I'm, cu- I'm curious. And the fact that we're both sex workers means that we have insight into things taboo. Trigger warning, if you're easily upset by this stuff, maybe take a break. I have a feeling this is going to be weird. Sex and politics make for some very strange bedfellows. So the season's changing right now. Uh... The air is changing. The things that are growing are changing. My libido is changing. Um, I always have felt that in the autumn, previously I thought in the autumn, and now I'm finding it's the summer and the autumn that I have this huge libido increase. Hmm. And I don't know if it makes sense. I don't know if it's, I'm like trying to figure out all the variables in this. Have you ever felt like you had one? I've started asking people this. That's weird. I don't know if I've necessarily had um, a libido. I've never thought about if I've had a libido increase that's tied to seasons. However, I am really like my mood is very affected by seasons. Mm. Um, Spring, I like. um, But when it gets really bright and hot out, I get very, very, very depressed. I feel like uh, like heat and a lot of like bright sunlight really limits Mm-hmm. When I can leave the house and when I can do things. You don't um, like being hot. You don't like being in the bright don't sun. don't like being hot. I don't like squinting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you said that when you came in today, actually. What did you no, say? You're I like, I don't like the sun with its bright. Yeah. No, it hurts my eyes. It hurts my head. It literally makes me feel like I'm having um, all the life sucked out of me mm. and just burnt away from me. Like, I'm not going to be adapted very well for climate change. <laughs> well, it's good because we're know? all dying slowly and painfully. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I would say my libido probably increases in the winter when I can actually leave the house. Like okay. fall and winter when I when I can actually leave the house and go do things whenever I want. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you live in Portland. Right? I also look better in winter clothes. Like my winter wardrobe is way better. <laughs> and that than can make you feel sexier. Wardrobe, right? Yeah. I never know how to dress myself for summer anymore. Like I've lived in Portland for 10 years and it's only hot for like two and a half months. So... You know, and someone who grew up in the hot weather, I've had a really interesting time adapting. Like initially when I moved here, I didn't ever put enough clothes on when I went outside because I was like, oh, a jacket, I'll be fine. It's like, no, bitch, it's 30 degrees. (laughs) Right. I mean, also, too, I'm 40 and I used to, I don't know, I used to feel a lot more comfortable in skimpy clothing and bright daylight when I was like 20s and 30s. Now I'm just like, you feel less comfortable. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to, you know, everyone wears the shorts with their bottom butt cheek hanging out now and that's Mm. like awesome if you can pull that off everyone can pull that you know but it's really a a very young woman's kind of thing and i just i don't like the idea of my bare ass touching something where someone else is sat (laughs) wait who's the germaphobe here you or me i think it's you but i just (laughs) but it's still like butt sweat sitting on other butt sweat is weird to me i'm like that's "Eh." how you get blemishes that's why strippers some of us the old school girls have the bandanas they sit on sometimes um yeah yeah because bare ass 
like sweaty bare ass on other sweaty bare ass surfaces and just in general right it's how you get butt sits also beer like um, sitting in beer will give you that weird little like bumpy red rash on the back of your legs and stuff too yeah so where were we going with this oh yeah so libidos per season it's really funny and i'm i'm feeling so um validated by the fact that you responded in the way that i kind of expected you to which was like oh i've never really thought about that um I don't think that's uncommon. That's what I've started hearing as I've started asking people. And someone else has told me winter, definitely. Uh, And she was funny. She said, I think she said, I think I have the most sex in the winter. Um, I don't know that my libido's higher, but she says, I think I'm perhaps just trying to stay warm. Right. Yeah. It's cold out. and You want to like snuggle up and like at night it's cold and you're just like, let's just stay home and watch TV and get it on. (laughs) So far, I've only found out. one study and it was in what country was this turkey and it's uh, from two years ago and so it's called the effect of seasonal variation on sexual behavior in males and its correlation with hormone levels a prospective clinical trial Hmm. so they start out their studies started out by saying that they noticed regarding seasonal patterns in criminal victimization trends so sexual assault simple sexual assault rates they exhibited relatively less seasonal fluctuation but were highest in the summer um and i remember from studying crime uh yeah i mean crime is highest around the summer but also during the holidays Right. Isn't like it's between like 95 and 98 is like the sweet spot for, for violent crime. For heat? Yeah. Temperature? For when, yeah. Temperature. Isn't that supposed to, isn't oh, there God. like a crime sweet spot then that it's like over 95 people are agitated and more likely to kill you. But if it's over 98, just too fucking hot to kill anybody. Interesting. I might be talking out my ass. Feel free to correct me. <laughs> no. There's, but I've been thinking a lot about that too. That's really interesting. It definitely, well, when the days are longer, there's a greater opportunity to commit crime because you're, more people are out. out. We're out. out. Yeah, there's more interactions. You're more likely to see a window open and reach in and snatch something if you're walking around and it's bright. And you And the person's more likely to leave their window open if the weather's nice and they want some air. This is why I grew up in Southern California and a lot of people who lived in middle to lower class income neighborhoods have bars on their windows because you want to air out your house overnight because it cools down. It's hot all the time, but you don't want people coming in and out. <laughs> right. Yeah. You don't want to be a target. An right. easy mark. Also think about too, it's hot out and there's more people on the street and there's more, I don't know, probably more couples around, more people out cruising for partners. So then there's going to be all kinds of probably fights to impress women and you know that kind of shit too what about pheromones um and the moisture in the air and less clothing and more sweating more li- mm. more likely to smell each other like on a chemical <laughs> animal level what <laughs> i know i know but uh, why do you laugh <laughs> i well i laugh because it's just so I, I know that it exists and there's a thing behind it but have you read uh, have you heard about that dating there's like a kind of dating you can do where Everywhere you throw your, where you choose who you hook up with by if how if you like the smell of their sweaty T-shirt. Have you heard about this? I like have read all, studies like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I guess they have like dating uh, events you can do where you pick, where you get matched up to pace based on whose stinky T-shirt who smells like the best to smell, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I could. I would try that. I oh god I, I have to be honest i'm just a little, <laughs> well if they're... i'm a little horrified i just think about like how all my ex's stinky disgusting fucking clothes smelled and i'm just i'm really put off 
but what about okay, okay i know there's some science behind it but you know ugh. what about um maybe that's why a lot of those relationships didn't work out because you guys weren't compatible in that way yeah that's i mean by possible. workout i mean we're fulfilling and long long lasting obviously we were not compatible <laughs> <laughs> here i am happily right. alone happily alone <laughs> so let's talk about this study they sourced men uh 80 men between the ages of 20 and 35 they were all married they all uh work outdoors and are exposed to the cold for at least one hour for existence walking home whatever mm. um they were also exposed to the cold for at least 60 days. And the two coldest months in their region are negative 15.9 Celsius. Um, so they took blood samples from these people at the end of February. And then when they were doing it at the hottest time in their region at the end of August, um, if the participants had a history of erectile dysfunction, they didn't include them. If they had any like hormone, if they were low profile in terms of their hormone levels, they didn't include them. Um, so they wanted to, you know, make sure that they had the best sample to draw from with the least amount of variables that could fuck it up. So the study was designed to detect a 30% difference in hormone levels. Testosterone, their FSH, which stands for follicle stimulating hormones, and that's something that helps aid in um, hormone production. Uh, also their LH levels, which is another hormone production thing. They study their prolactin which is something that uh, everybody has. This is what happens when you stimulate nipples. Prolactin helps Okay, I was, I was like, I thought that was something that had to do with breastfeeding or something. Yeah, but we all have yeah. breasts. And we're Fair also enough. similar, right? They measured their ejaculation per week and they measured um, their frequency of having sex per week. This was self-report. Right. So, and you have to, there is a thing with self-report. People yeah. don't always. So they say testosterone has been shown to follow a seasonal variation in many species, especially in males that can promote changes in human behavior and physiology, such as waist-to-hip ratio hmm. and sexual intercourse. Um, so they're checking to see if they think that testosterone going up is the reason why there's perhaps more sexual assault and just more sex. Well, okay, as far as sexual assault goes, though, I, I have a little bit of a beef with the causation of it because I think that it's pretty widely known that sexual assault isn't really about sexual desire so much as it is about power. It's, it's, it's so. about power, but you know, I think we've done wrong in, in, in making such a case. What we tried to do essentially was remove the idea that it's out of a person's control, that it's an animal right. instinct, but we have to acknowledge that people are fueled by their instincts. And yes, we have, our frontal lobes where we should be able to make better decisions. Um, it's interesting. You know, it's not a solution, yeah. but it's definitely if people are aroused and they're acting on their arousal in anxious, controlling ways. Again, like I went out to the bar last night and I was taking it all in and I was sitting there and I was, everything was buzzing. You know, people are in shorts, people are sweaty. They had their shirts unbuttoned. And I'm like very near to one person that I have an active sex life with, another person who I actually fantasized about for like eight years and we're now getting <laughs> to know each other. So um, I'm, she doesn't know this, by the way. So I'm feeling pretty like sexually alert. And I was very aware of my boundaries because everyone was drinking. I wasn't, but I was pretty stoned. And people flirt, and I I was very aware of how aroused I was, and in this large circle of people, how much I didn't want to step on anyone's toes or make them feel uncomfortable. Right. So acknowledging my arousal, you know, and that's something a lot of people who don't have the language or the education around these things think about, or again, we're under duress or we're intoxicated. Um, 
According to some studies, male sexual activity increased plasma levels of both cortisone and testosterone. This finding has been established in rats, mice, tritons, amphibians, and lizards. However, the physiological mechanism of this effect is still unknown. I'm actually just thinking, so if there's a case to be made <laughs> that men have uh, hormone cycles too, mm-hmm. then I'm wondering if this is something that I can throw back in a future partner's face when they argue with me, <laughs> just like they've been doing to me. Oh, years. like PMS. Uh-huh. Well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I w- let's, I'm want- like, you're just being, you're just acting like an asshole because it's springtime. And your testosterone levels are going crazy. So basically their conclusion was, although testosterone levels are within normal limits in both seasons, its level in cold months is less than in hot months. Testosterone levels can change according to season. The impact of cold seasons in particular should be taken into account when evaluating testosterone levels and sexual status, as well as the other social and cultural influences. So it really raises a lot more questions than it answers, but there's something there. And I don't know if that is impacted by so many other variables in my life, like the fact that I've been spoiled with regular sex with my one partner and now I want to branch out or, you know, there's many things. But I also just feel so fucking like turned on by going outside in I really like summer and fall now. So Uh, I'm just waiting for it to be over and for it to be my time. I know. Poor thing. My time. My time. What time did we start? So what was the thing you wanted to talk about eating disorders? Okay, so... Let's bring this up. Okay, so do you remember there was a thread on a forum pretty recently? Can I talk about this on here? I feel kind of weird. So the way that I have mentioned it before, yeah. um, So you just say that you're in a... Just say that you're in a dancer forum online. Okay. So um, I was on a dancer forum online recently, and um, there was a pretty lively discussion um, about how to talk about dieting and weight and the etiquette of talking about these things in strip club dressing rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that. Yeah, dude, it's it's so important. Um, there's so many issues around it. It's, I mean, there's not only do you run the risk of body shaming somebody who's struggling with their weight like if you've had an eating disorder before it can be really really fucking triggering to hear Mm -hmm. someone talk about dieting um i used to work um i've had an eating disorder let's talk about anorexia yeah tell me yeah my my mom had really bad anorexia i I, fuck it's so many issues for me my mom had it i've had bouts uh with it um do you want to talk about that yeah we can talk about it i uh i have this memory like so my mom like never never ate a piece of pizza like she's never eaten a piece of pizza like she doesn't she didn't know what pizza tastes like and i had this memory of going to visit her um with my brother and sister were really little and uh she made us all this tiny lunch this little lunch but it was okay i think it was like a hot dog and some maybe some salad or some shit you love hot dogs I do love hot dogs, um, but here's where it gets weird, right? I was like a teenager. She gets a fun-sized snicker, right, out of some cabinet and cuts it into thirds, and we we each got a bite of fun-sized snicker okay. for dessert. That's, that's not tiny. fucking normal. That's yeah, weird. That's and just looking here, I mean, my and my dad was like the opposite. My dad was an overeater. Um, 
it was a kind of poor Italian family where you eat everything on your plate and you don't waste it and everyone eats really fast because there might not be enough food for you and just mm. there are, yeah so there's lots of issues but so I've always like were they together at this time or no no they they divorced when I was like really little like I don't I, I don't ever remember them like having been together but fast forward and that's how I always kind of used to like for a while, I used to get really, when I would get really, have really bad depressive episodes, I would just stop eating mm. because that seemed a way that I could almost, it's going to sound dumb, but like protest life. Like I'm just, I'm not going to kill myself, but I'm not going to help. No, it doesn't either. sound dumb. I did that too. Um, and also, and I've also had all years of dancing and working with really perfect people takes a toll as well. I mean, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect, but I, I used to work. You mean you saw other bodies that you thought were better than yours? All the time. Yeah, me All too. The time. Me too. It's oh, no, hard. me too. Um, I still feel that way. But what, it's really fucking damaging. I remember there used to be uh, this lady that I worked with for a really long time. Um, she was gorgeous. She was like six foot tall. I think she had done some modeling. She was a fan favorite. I mean, people just saw her come on stage and they would just... Lose their minds. I mean, just the money would just come blowing out of them. It was just ridiculous. Um, blowing. And she had a fucking eating disorder in between sets. And and I worked at a really athletic club, right? Like you're like busting your ass on stage. And in between sets, she would be doing like squats. She would go through periods. She'd be like doing squats <sighs> and doing sit-ups. And she was just always criticizing herself. And I just was looking at her and I'm like, and I would look around the dressing room and watch everyone else would start. Was she to blonde? Be... You said she was blonde. No, she wasn't blonde. Okay. Um, Never mind. I didn't work with her. She. Um, it's fine. She only worked. At, she only ever worked at Sassy's, as okay. far as I know. Okay. For for the most part. Okay. Um, but she would. I would see everybody else like kind of pinching themselves too, and she would start to do it. It's like it spread like a, like a cold around the dressing room, and it's just like if this is what you think of yourself, what do you think of me? What am I if you're fat and gross? The, I'm just must be a hideous fucking troll and that's really toxic when you're trying when you're trying to uh get money out of people yeah <laughs> you know it's so I come every Tuesday I come into shift and a dear friend and a dear friend and coworker is doing yoga stretching on the floor and that doesn't bother me she's always afraid she's in the way but would that bother you Stretching doesn't bother me, but if you are actively trying to jump up and down burning calories in between your sets and having a manic freaking out about yeah. your weight yeah. episode, that bothers me. Border at times, at times borderline too thin. Okay. You know? Okay. Um, so there's a lot there. Um, yeah, I, it is very interesting and I've been privy to it and I've, 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 I, I'm sure participated in these conversations. Oh, I mean, I've been that person too that's whined about I've my weight. I've never said I'm fat right now. I'm so fat. Even when I, even when my my anorexia was so severe, I knew that it would be a dumb thing to say because I was 85 pounds. Okay, so, and let's not pretend that skinny privilege doesn't exist, which is kind of unfortunate because we do have these very real issues that are not taken seriously because it's like, oh, lots of women would be happy to be in your shoes. Look how small you are. I've heard that before. Um, I'm the thinnest I've been in like seven or eight, ten years right now. And I don't like it. I don't really feel incredibly comfortable because if I lose any more, I'm going to look very unhealthy. Um, but these are things because I 
eat mostly vegan and I do yoga twice a week and I walk everywhere and I'm, you know, very physical on stage and I play with my kid and I eat a lot and I'm, when I'm not stressed out, I eat a lot. Lately, I haven't been eating a lot, but it's been bringing up shit for me where I have to check in. I'm like, okay, I too remember being teenager and it's like when you can't control the way your parents are fighting or the way people are treating you horribly at school or the confusion of growing into this world that doesn't make sense i want to cry you're like i can control how much i put in my body you know absolutely yeah and so like yeah chewing on ice cubes to like fight appetite you're like well i'm gonna trick my stomach put something in there but there's no calories in there like i've done all that shit no, I have two, and I have also done um, a couple of times had to do like the weight check. God, this is many years ago because I've gone in the opposite direction now. God, what am I talking about myself? I mean, even listen to that. So you gained, I've gained fifteen pounds, and it's just like I. Well, you, you are know, short. I, you're short, and you did have a rapid. When you're short, fifteen pounds is nothing to it's sneeze a lot. at. Yeah, but it'll I mean, change your pants but size. Jesus, a few sizes. it's not the fucking end of the world. I'm here. <laughs> And I'm so primed to to think that it's because I'm like a bad person and because I no longer, my high school weight, there's something wrong. I mean, it's so, it's like reflexive. It's like reflex for me to automatically critique my own I don't think any of us should be our high school weight after high school though. You know what I mean? I was my high school weight up until I was like 37 or 38. Like That's never, crazy. Except okay. for when I got really, really low. And a couple times, once in high school and once in my 20s. And like I would have to go into the doctor and I would have to like try to find ways to weigh more. Mm. When they weigh you and mm-hmm. you like put fill your pockets <laughs> with mm. change and all the like fucking it's like cliche shit you do to fold the doctor and to thinking you know like look i weigh just enough i don't need to be i don't need to go to the hospital anywhere and Mm -hmm. then a sick little part of you is thrilled because you're like i made it (laughs) yeah and there were forums and then there was like a couple a couple pro anorexia instagrams started following me a couple times and i blocked them because i was like i don't i don't want you to look at me in the mirror posing and think that because if you eat less you'll look like me you know like I work out a shitload and I have a small frame and hey I'm kind of depressed right now it's kind of hard to eat but these are like factors I'm aware of so back to the dressing room thing yeah it's really hard when someone is having a freak out and and that's not fair to other people around them but we also a lot of us have our things that we don't really manage well I guess I just feel like at this point that maybe um maybe weight and dieting should not be spoken about in an ideal world at all really in the dressing room hmm. yeah um because there's all there you never a you never know who's had an eating disorder before that you might be triggering mm-hmm. it's um psychologically it's, fuck it's bad to look at yourself to critique yourself that much so healthy you look so healthy you look so juicy it's a subtle way mm-hmm. to let someone know that you know they they've put gained on weight. weight yeah i just and try not to make comments about people's bodies anymore because i don't know right? which way they want to well, be because then they'll go no no because i always call it out and i'm like cool well mm-hmm. you want to partner up with me right because you just said no 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 that's not what it is yeah, yeah yeah that's what it is i think you look great i don't give a fuck how you think i look yeah what matters is like what the dudes paying me think how i look really honestly that doesn't matter either but unfortunately it does no it does in that environment it does and this is why it's so my boyfriend told me last week he said it really scares me to see how much your 
sense of self is tied to how much you can make. It's true. And I said, you know, I this is my tool of productivity. I measure my productivity. And if I have like a couple bad shifts in a week where, you know, maybe no one buys dances or I sell like two, um, then I'm like, oh, am I losing my touch? Like, am I starting to become less valuable in the eyes of the consumer? Is it what's wrong with me? Honestly, at this point, it could be because I'm too fucking skinny. Um, but it is really frustrating. And you're, the thing you said before about um, someone bringing up, someone saying, if someone in the dressing room says, oh God, I wish I could gain five pounds or um, I wish my boobs would go back the way they were before my birth control or, you know, anything, so many things. And other girls chime in. They're like, you look great. No, she's making a statement because she wants it to be acknowledged or she wants it to be validated. But what I just say at this point is like, oh, I hate when, doesn't it suck when your body does something you can't control? I really, I hate that. I feel you. Hmm. You know? I like that. Thank you. I, I recommend it because that's just really what it is. It doesn't matter if it's illness or depression. It's like, yeah, that fucking sucks. It's one of the one of the reasons that I am grateful to be spending a dwindling <laughs> amount of time in the club. As fun as it can be and as great as it's been for me mm-hmm. for, you know, 20 something years, I find things like that much harder to tolerate scenarios like that much harder mm-hmm. to tolerate like babe, that, like, the, you like look great. babe oh yeah i know it, it it seems from a semi-outsider perspective now i'm like this is sick how we relate to each other is fucking sick how we relate to these men how, how they expect us to be sometimes is sick and it's not even the sex industry it's like a microcosm of our entire society and it seems mm-hmm. just sick and fucked up and bad frustrating <laughs> frustrating yeah or when people say oh i got sober and i gained a bunch of weight and i'm like fuck that sucks i'm sorry um smoking so you're stopping smoking yeah we'll Mm -hmm. do it too Mm -hmm. so basically if anyone's listening this is proof that you never know what someone's dealing with in terms of their image because we're both beautiful ladies I mean, give or take, well, we can't really give any more pounds, but if we gained 30 pounds, we'd still be beautiful ladies. But how we feel about it is going to impact how we interact. Absolutely. Attention service and sex industry workers. Seeking Space Yoga is dedicated to providing a holistic option for after your shift with new 3 a.m. and 4 a.m. class times. Seeking Space is rooted in empathy and they've combined creative flows and experienced teachers to provide a safe, inviting space for any and all wishing to find peace on the mat. Need a little motivation? They are offering 10% off on all memberships and packages for those in the industry. Visit SeekingSpaceYoga.com or download the Seeking Space Yoga app for more information and a full list of class times. Passion by Kate is an award-winning resource for women and couples who crave a more intimate, exciting, and fulfilling sex life. Passion by Kate's affirming writing, workshops, and one-on-one counseling help you create a new level of openness and intimacy with your partner without feeling awkward, twisting yourself into a pretzel, or spending hours a day on intimacy-building activities. Learn more and find hashtag freedom and pleasure at Passion by Kate. That's K-A-I-T dot com. Mention this podcast to receive a complimentary 30-minute counseling session when you purchase any Passion by Kate product or service.
If you're looking to jazz up a jacket, bag, or just your fine self, our friends at Gimme Flare have everything you could possibly need. Gimme Flare is the largest online retailer of pins and patches that range from the cute and sweet to the snarky and slutty. They are sex positive, queer friendly, and aim to crush mental health stigma, all with fun flair from around the globe. Check out gimmeflare.com to browse items from over 250 plus artists. So, you know what time it is? Book roulette. Woohoo! All right. We have, you picked these. You selected these off my shelves. Appreciate you. So let's do one through five. Pick a number. Five. Okay. Mating in Captivity, Unlocking Erotic Intelligence by Esther Perel. There's two kids, or she was married when this came out. Um, She talks a lot about desire and how that impacts uh, monogamy. The politics and economics of sex and the diametrically opposed attitudes we witness daily penetrate the American bedroom and insinuate themselves into the creases of our intimacy. The couples I see live at the intersection of this ambivalence, and we must negotiate amid these competing value systems. The legacy of Puritanism, which locates the family at the center of society, expects marriage to be reasonable, sober, and productive. You work, you save, you plan, you take your commitments seriously. But alongside this very American notion of individual responsibility and moderation is the equally apple pie notion of individual freedom. We believe in personal fulfillment, in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We relish the freedom to spontaneously satisfy our desires, and we live in a market-driven consumer economy which ensures that those desires never stop coming. The sexual culture tells us what is attractive and what we should want, as if we were capable of finding out for ourselves whom to desire and what turns us on. An entire industry of hedonism hovers on the outskirts of marriage, a constant reminder of all we've sacrificed in exchange for the muted sexuality of marital love. So she's basically, I mean, what do you think? Well, I've never been married, so I have no idea what that dynamic is like. It's also when she talks about puritanism, and that's that's something I feel like I've been really fortunate enough never to have really struggled with like with myself or with a partner because I've always I was raised an atheist um I've always been very like outspokenly atheist so therefore I've attracted other people that haven't tended bring that same so in terms of religious baggage maybe because that's kind of what I got out of it um well the society the American society as a whole is based on Puritanism. I've always rejected. You know, I yeah. was a, I was a punk like earlier. I've always rejected American society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't feel? Do you feel that it had any uh, subtle impacts on your sex life in terms of what you could ask for without feeling dirty or guilty? Like asking for, say, anal sex, or someone to come on your face. No, I've always been pretty like good. I don't know, like my desire at the same time, like my desires are. A lot of most of them have been pretty vanilla. Okay, it's okay. not like I've been into anything particularly out there. Um, not or much even of a that clash. adventurous, you know. Like, <laughs> so I haven't had, um, I haven't felt societal pressure. That's good. not to ask for what I wanted. It's been more like 
dynamics in a relationship which have prevented me from well that has to do with i mean that would be impacted like puritanism in the in the form of like gender roles so like men do this women do this these are your roles people i just had really poor communication fit (laughs) with you know the people that i just really wasn't able to talk to about anything Mm -hmm. important no less no less what i wanted you Mm -hmm. know but let's see let's do all right pick another one through four Two. Ooh, I met this lady. She's nice. Uh, Charlotte Shane wrote a book called Prostitute Laundry. She was an escort for some while. So, writer and sex worker sent out her confessional letter to a small but devoted mailing list in the winter of 2014. And her readership grew. I wonder if you can even hear that. Fucking Alice. (laughs) I'm sorry. I have to, like, put my fucking phone on airplane because my friends irritate me all right so she had a small mailing list she was online but she's been featured on the washington post and npr so it's it's basically a journal of someone trying to understand the world as they do sex work which is okay you know basically what we talk about so pick a color any color <laughs> pick a page um 115 Get that book sound in there. (laughs) (laughs) Three weeks since we last saw each other when he sent me the email saying he loved me. I read it with my boyfriend next to me and an IV in my arm on the hospital waiting on the hospital bed waiting to have surgery on my breasts. So I'm going to assume that George was a client. I don't know. Uh, She's lovely. Developing feelings. Yeah, no shit. You ever have you ever done that? (laughs) Have you ever? Do you ever read aloud? <laughs> I get I get some absurd fucking fan mail. Let's just say we know this. We've talked about this. <laughs> I read them aloud next to boyfriend and it's so surreal because I'm like, this isn't what the sender envisioned. You know, me sitting next to my boyfriend on the couch while we're like petting the dog and Raven's running around. I'm like, huh, look at this. Look at this thing. That's obviously not what was happening here. But I'm like, what? So, <laughs> I have had a couple clients tell me they loved me and it was stomach wrenching both times and very sad. I've been pretty lucky that I haven't had, I'm trying to think if I've ever had, um, I'm sure it's happened that I've had a regular cross the line or. But you even said you're more of a party hustler. You're like, see a good time, bye. crowds or I'm a once, I can't offer, I don't know, I'm not that great with long-term emotional intimacy. You're a one night stand stripper. I am very much a one night stand stripper, very much so. Um, I have very few long-term regulars, so there's been, mm-hmm. nice. you know, I don't think I really attract those kinds of people growth. who form unhealthy attachments to you based on the positive interactions you've had that they've paid for in an enclosed container. Yeah, I hate that. Absolutely. <laughs> Even that being said, I've had, um, I mean, I've had like plenty of friendships. I've had friendships go that way, which is distressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's distressing. Um, All right, let's see one through three. Three. Okay. So this book is called The Concept of Anxiety. A simple psychologically oriented deliberation in view of the dogmatic problem of hereditary sin. So. (laughs) What? Soren Kierkegaard. (laughs) This guy is. Norwegian. Oh. So I'm just going to. All right. This is totally good times. 
We were reminded in chapter one that the creation of Eve already metaphorically prefigures the outcome of the relationship of generation. In a sense, she signifies that which is derived. Something derived is never as perfect as the original. Here, however, the difference is merely quantitative. Boring. This <laughs> derivation of the woman also contains the explanation of the sense in which she is weaker than the man, something that has been assumed in all ages whether it is a Pasha speaking or a romantic knight. The difference is not, however, other than the man and women are essentially alike despite this dissimilarity. What the fuck? All right, sorry. Keep going. Super dry. Yeah, super, super dry. That the woman is more sensuous than the man is immediately apparent in her physical organism. What? I don't like this guy. I know. I am so, like vaguely offended. I know. You're like, why do you have this book? So I'm totally. Oh, he's Danish. Okay. He's a philosopher and theologian. Oh, God. No. Philo okay. Skip that. Philosophers. Why are you always turds? Yeah. Who's why that, are you turds? Who's that guy? Um, I want to say he's some Czech guy. He's apparently our greatest living philosopher whose name that I can't ever pronounce. He sounds like a fucking douchewad, <laughs> too. I'm just... I'm so not interested in what men think about shit anymore. Seriously. Yeah, I have that book because I <laughs> I walked by it um, at Powell's bookstore and I thought, well, that looks interesting, but I'm not going to buy it. So actually, the obsessive person who told me I love you bought it for me because I oh. mentioned it. Yeah. So I have like 30 books from someone that I have still not read. Because your sensual nature right. was just so apparent to him right. upon examining your physical organism or whatever uh, the fuck. So I don't know. That's was. A, That was strange. Uh, Good old book roulette. I wonder what the writer looks like. What is this guy? Imagine him to be some fusty old douche <laughs> with ear hair and tweed. Fusty. Fusty is is so a word that is not used enough. All right. We have two more. Okay, one. Okay, I was gonna say pee or poo because that's yeah. Uh, I'm a I'm a mom. I know you picked pee. So number one, number two. Nobody else do that. Okay, uh, pick a page. <laughs> um, one eighty-two. Okay, so this is down and dirty: the new and naughty guide to being great in bed. I'm sorry. This is down and dirty sex secrets. The New and Naughty Guide to Being Great in Bed by Tristan Terramino. You said 182? Mm-hmm. Is that too far at the end? Nah. Of all the different types of erotica, videos are among the most sexually explicit. Porn videos are also the most controversial of all erotica since feminists, <laughs> this book was written like 12 years ago, religious right-wingers and others have long argued that porn is sick, obscene, exploitative, misogynist or downright evil these debates have made their mark on mainstream popular consciousness and they often leave both women and men feeling divided or guilty about their enjoyment of pornography certainly there's plenty of porn that many people do find offensive degrading to women or immoral however there's also a diverse array of videos that people can enjoy for a variety of reasons um, this australian study where again ton of participants it was self-report uh they asked people how impacted they felt, what their relationship was with porn. And it was something like 30% of people who were regular users say that they had felt it had increased to their lives in some way. And there was a smaller portion that felt 
neutral but mostly positive and it was seven percent that said that they felt that they had been negatively impacted by porn okay um so definitely seven percent of people who watch porn regularly there's also and they acknowledge the way that this would be skewed because if you watch it regularly you would hope that you'd be more likely to feel good about it (laughs) well what about it is it how is it negatively impacting them i i would be curious to know that yeah Let's, are you let's watching actually, are you watching so much of it that you can't get it up with that yeah. you have unrealistic expectations i mean is it taking up too much time or are you spending shitloads i had um i had a friend who's this is back well i guess people still pay for porn i think this is way before like Pornhub. but i had a friend uh whose husband worked from home and he was spending like quite a bit she found that he was spending quite a lot of it when he would she would be at work and he'd be at home watching porn all day and was spending quite a bit of money on it. <laughs> That's not okay. And that was, yeah, um, I don't think they could really afford for him to be spending the amount of money on it that he did. Mm-hmm. So I could see how that would negatively Yeah, that would impact. piss me off. Yeah, well, I mean, was he depressed? What else was going on? I'm trying to remember. It's <laughs> I mean, it's a, not it's that you would really necessarily even time. know. I mean, honestly, I think there were like some trust issues there too. Um, I, I remember my friend had a, she had just had a problem with him watching porn in general. Hmm. So their respondents, it says most respondents, 90% of women or 90% of men, 79% of women that responded agreed or strongly agreed that pornography could enhance the pleasure of masturbation. For most, the attitude state for most of the attitude statements about pornography, men gave significantly more positive responses than did women. Um, so I could see that. I could see that because I've seen things in porn that are performative for the male viewer. And I'm like, that doesn't feel good. Right? Yeah. Again, and this is the porn that was being made probably by and for men that they're viewing. This study. We have so many more options now. I know. Fine. It, this study is very recent. This study is 2016. Um, interesting stuff. Let's talk more about that in our after show. Let's talk more about porn maybe in the after show. Okay. Hey friends, do you get sore muscles or stiff joints like us? How's your skin? Is it dry, itchy, irritated, bruised, or sunburned? If so, it sounds like you need some Nabalm in your pocket. Nabalm, that's N-A-E-B-A-L-M, is an all-natural skin and body balm handmade right here in Portland. Nabalm products use a base of organic olive oil and beeswax followed by an infusion of therapeutic essential oils, each of which provides all sorts of benefit. Oh yes, and they smell amazing. To learn more, check out nabom.com or search nabom on Facebook or Instagram. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Visit her office in Portland or connect via Skype to take your intimate life to the next level. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Let's do some listener questions. Okay, so this is a response to our call for household item suggestions because, you know, BDSM implements are expensive. Mm-hmm. So we had a, a quite lengthy and good suggestion here mm-hmm. this is like reading through this i'm like you're like the martha stewart of <laughs> bdsm whoever <laughs> whoever wrote this mm-hmm. all right 
Hi team, I spent some time working in a dungeon, so we were always experimenting and trying to find cheap alternatives to use while clients' views were obstructed. <laughs> so they so they couldn't see what. <laughs> oh my god, this I love great. you already. This is great. Um, <laughs> the dollar store has soft cotton and nylon ropes. A silicone scraping spatula hurts like a motherfucker. Oh. <laughs> yeah, mm. the edge of a CD or DVD could be used for edge play. Ice packs or cubes chopsticks with elastics on the ends for nipple clamps oh wow there you go having your bottom kneel on rice mm. that's well, dangerous why because the rice it's uncooked rice it cuts into your skin oh that's got to be uncomfortable mm -hmm. hmm. i'm like i'm like what if, what if they're on a low carb diet no. <laughs> all right panties as a gag clothes pegs you can line them in a row with a string and pull them off like a zipper clothes Ooh. pegs or just as individual clamps Get fake dollar store eucalyptus or some other branch thing and tickle or hit the body. There's literally so much you can use. And that's just for physical sensations. You can get creative as hell in the kitchen with humiliation. <laughs> yes. One of the people I worked with had her client carry an egg on a wooden spoon in his mouth. And there was consequences if he dropped the egg. Oodles and oodles of fun. Be careful with candles. Scented candle wax runs hot. And there are specific soy candles that are safe for the skin. Oh. You're awesome. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, I love the I love the egg on a spoon. I do too. That's really great. That's so creative. It's like the county fair. It's like a three legged race. <laughs> I oh will never look at that the same ever again. Be my prize hog. Oh, you are on the right track with that, milady. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Who's <laughs> gonna be my prize pony? This is another question that kind of relates to what we were talking about earlier, but in a different way. Um. Let's talk about alcoholism for a minute. I could do a whole show on alcoholism, right? but... And we probably should. And we honestly. should. Yeah, we should. So I have been struggling with alcoholism recently and have been dancing for seven years. Recently, a customer admitted to taking advantage of me during a lap dance, but I was so drunk that I don't remember this. I've been doing this so long that you would think that this would have happened sooner or that I'd be less sensitive to it, but it feels disgusting and it's weighing pretty heavily on me. So there's no reason you need to like feel like you should be, you know, I should be numb to this. No way. No way. This is a, I this think is. You, I think you get more sensitized to things sometimes as time passes. I do. This is a, this is a sign that you have to change how much you drink at work. Because if a customer told you and you don't remember how many other things have happened that you don't remember, I haven't really blacked out at work ever. I don't think. I mean, that's not true. There's been plenty of mornings when I woke up and was like, I don't really remember last night. I remember bits. I have. Even though it was more like when I was younger, when I would like drink mm -hmm. and do a lot of Coke. The Coke would, you would be wasted, but the Coke would keep you going way, 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 way past the point where you should have been face down. Really? See, and I never somewhere. did Coke. So yeah. there were times that I remember being so drunk that I was like, I have to lay down on the floor in the dressing room in between sets. That only happened, I think, once that I really, really remember. And I was a pretty new dancer. And that was a wake-up call. Um, so it's totally okay to be, you know, freaked out by this. this, And sit in that for a minute and really think about what does this mean? You don't want this to happen again. There's a lot more likelihood that you will get hurt, lose money, have someone steal from you, have a miscommunication, get fired, get fired. 
Um, I mean, management get doesn't... Get a DUI on the way home. Get it, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, even if you drive or whatever, but let's just say like in the club when right. you're drunk, I know I'm a better communicator when I'm not balls to the wall drunk. So I didn't drink. I got... I was sober for a really, really long time. How and long? Were, um, for like... Six, seven years. You were sober for seven years. Yeah, for a really, really, really long time. And um what age was this? Thirty-three to really about like thirty-nine. Wow. Um, I only started to drink a little bit again recently, and I've decided to stop again just because I don't I don't know. I just don't think drinking really has a place in my life yeah. anymore. And I don't like hangovers and I don't like how it makes me feel. But when I became sober like I had lot, like it was a problem behavior and it was I was drinking and binging way too much and doing a lot of drugs. And I really needed really, really needed to stop that. And that mm -hmm. was one of the best decisions. And one of the things that I wasn't really prepared for was how much my money increased at work when I stopped getting fucked up, getting fucked up. Now, my customer base changed because I was no longer the type of dancer that would just sit and have drinks with people and, and talk them out talk them out of money that way but I had so much more control and I got a different type of customer mm -hmm. and like I can't tell like that was so healthy for me how I, did you how did you cut back and stop because it sounds like well I literally that's stopped the real problem here I um literally stopped cold turkey I mean I did the whole AA thing um which is good for some people okay stopping have, cold turkey can be really dangerous when you're that much of an alcoholic though did you experience um, any physical withdrawal or emotional? I would. I took like a big mood dive. And yeah, I mean, I think I had like, you know, I was coming when I decided to become sober. I think I was coming off of a big drug binge. So, mm. you know, everything resulting from that, obviously, I felt like physically shitty for a mm -hmm. minute. But I also I wasn't a wake up in the morning drinker. Mm. So I didn't have those like alcoholic DT. Mm -hmm. I was more of like a binge drinker. Yeah, if you, it's funny. I just typed in dangers to stop drinking when alcoholic. Second thing that comes up, the dangers of quitting drinking cold turkey, grand mal seizures, AmericanAddictionCenters.org. So mean, if you if, really drink heavily. Yeah, if yeah. you're an everyday like wake up drinker, like if you get the shakes, if you don't drink, yeah. maybe seek medical attention. Definitely seek medical attention. if you're just like me, that I just had to get fucked up to socially interact. Like I was always, I didn't know how to like relate with people. And, um, you know, dancing is really, it's not a good habit to get into, to have to drink, to be able to approach people. Mm -hmm. And so it was really positive for me to learn like other skills with interacting with people that didn't require me doing a couple shots and a bump first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really, that's the tough stuff people don't want to hear. Cause I get asks about that from girls who are like, I want to be sober. And I've only not Okay, I'm going to be honest right now. And if anyone's listening, I've only not been drinking for eight or nine weeks. Um, yeah, I stopped drinking again about three weeks ago. Yeah. So it is an adjustment. And people are like, how did you stop? I'm like, I felt like shit when I had a beverage. And I can't live that way. And it impacts my mood and my skin and my relationships and my work. And, you know, I'm going to say the, the worst my alcoholism ever was was when I'd been dancing for maybe a year and a half and I'd gotten over the newness phase and now I was trying to figure out how to make money and that's when right. you get afraid of judgment and the intrusive thoughts happen and it's serious anxiety um, for me at least. So I remember filling up my coffee canteen with whiskey for my drive to work and I wasn't drinking it while I was driving but I had it and I was like, hmm, I know this is technically open container. 
And I was like, wow, this is really bad. This is really bad because I could easily have gotten a drink bought for me within the first 15 minutes to maybe two hours of my shift. But I was like, no, I can't hit the stage until I have whiskey in me because I'm so nervous. And God, you know, that didn't last very long. But the person who wrote this, this is a wake up call. You have to drink less at work um, because this shit's becoming dangerous. It's been dangerous, obviously. Um, in this, this came up, um, I actually spoke with this person a little bit privately and they said, I'd like to think the customer is lying. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know you would, but they may not be. Right. So <laughs> with that in mind, um, we have a few more minutes of this episode. And then if you, everyone wants to hear more, you have to go to patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and pay like a dollar. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about, this came up last night and this person, they said, I'm not a stripper, but, and I don't want to talk shit, but God, some of the songs you girls pick. And one girl came up in particular. She's like, I can't stand her music. And I was like, yeah, I know. I have to give dances to it sometimes. Oh, (laughs) Um, that's the worst. uh, When you work in a club or you're partnered up where you have to, where there's more than one stage and you're stuck dancing to someone else, horrible, shitty awful fucking music oh my god um so let's ask our listeners songs that should never be played in strip clubs yeah there's like there's some stuff that i don't like but like i i don't know i'm too old to get migos but i can understand how (laughs) that might pop off in the right club right is me but but you know what i don't want to hear the barney theme song in a strip no shut oh we have it um we have a full we have like a bunch of folders of like novelty music that have found their way onto the computer to fuck with people but <laughs> it's like a hostile work environment <laughs> it can be funny it sure but. can i've given a lap dance to elton john's tiny dancer um definitely some show tunes I, show tunes no pa- show. like a lot of power ballads honestly like I don't know. I kind of don't want to hear Ario Speedwagon in a strip club. I Ugh. don't want. I don't want to hear Pearl Jam, but people seem to oh, like God. it. Oh God! Yeah. I don't. Um. I'm pretty. There used to be this song that was wildly popular. Um. Quite a few years back. Um. Uh, hey, you're crazy, bitch. But you oh, so good. I fucking hate. But that song. I don't want to hear songs that are that talk shitty about buck women. cherry buck cherry yeah, does that song suck. you're awful but you fuck so good i'm on top of it i remember that oh, horrible song it's like, i was like 13 when that song came out it's that's really like that's really rude to women and i think in a house of women things like that shouldn't be played is it is it rude to women yeah you're I mean, crazy bitch but you fuck so good it's okay to just use you <laughs> i just i don't know i i hate that whole like butt rock used women Oh, yeah. Kind of shit. I just, I can't. I guess I appreciate its absolute latentness of like, I'm a garbage song for garbage people. I hate the things that are more covert. I guess I just don't like working in garbage strip clubs. I mean, one of the things I loved about dancing in Portland is I didn't have to work in those types of places anymore and that I could work at a more elevated, uh, more woke kind of establishment. Well, we so I get rock. So I get super fucking bummed when I hear stuff like that now i'm like no (laughs) yeah no 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 we're better we are better no nobody should play buck cherry um that's like if i heard nickelback i would probably oh god yeah i know no one needs to no one needs to hear that shit in the club but then again i play music that i'm sure people are not stoked about i'm looking at my playlist oh i mean yeah at the same time 
people always hated partnering up with me because I always played like weird, mm-hmm. like minimal techno or like mm-hmm. post punk. Went through a big post punk goth phase, you know, at the club. But that's always been part of my charm, though, is that I don't, I don't ever play top forty hits. I'm not into that stuff. And I've a lot of people aren't into, into that, that stuff. I don't so. want to hear that when I go into a strip club. I personally don't because I want to feel more about the the dancer on stage. I want to feel more of her personality. Right. And I will dance to like. Um, I mean, if that's your thing, I mean, there's always. I feel like every club should have like the blonde girl that dances to Kanye, you know, or so, like the staple club aesthetic. The staple club girl, and then everyone else should. Uh, there should be should everything. Do their own thing. Yeah, right? there should be everything. The whole the whole spectrum. I'll tell you some of my playlist and the after show too. Um, I get compliments for my music from people who I guess like the same shit as me but I try to mix it up um yeah so write to us pillow talk at strangebedfellowspdx.com tell us the songs you don't want to hear in strip clubs um Nirvana's rape me is something oh I, yeah I don't want to hear that I've I've heard I that before that. um what else oh we care a lot who does that song? Oh, Faith No More. We care a lot. And they're talking about firefighters and shit. I'm like, this is not sexy. I hate this. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> there was a chick uh, that I that works at that kind of, um, I think that song has kind of like a caveman beat. It I'm does. I'm like, listen to that caveman beat. But she's like a real tall and she can be very, uh, very like kind of aggressive. And mm. she actually slaughters it to that mm. song. Okay. I but just don't like that song. Good for her though. She's pretty terrifying, but it works for her. I could be like, converted. Her, I, her thing is she's so she like stalks the stage and she she it seems like she would just rip your fucking head off. And really? Fuck it. Yeah. So she doesn't <laughs> care a lot is what we're saying. No, she doesn't. <laughs> she's uh, rad. Oh, that's great. All right. So thanks, everyone. Uh, be sure to check us out on Patreon if you feel like it. Uh, yeah. Until next time. For more Strange Bedfellows, check us out on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows and become a supporter for access to behind the scenes material and extra content. My name is Elle Stanger and you can find me at stripperwriter.com and on Instagram at stripperwriter. And my name is Jen. You can reach me on strangebedfellowspdx.com.